Uh, let's start in Genesis 1.1. Everything begins in Genesis 1. Uh, the Bible teaches us and the world echoes this, that there's a, a truth, there's a fact, it's called the law of first mentions. That the first time that something is mentioned sets you up so that uh, every repeat of that person or that issue is framed by the law of first mentions. So Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering. Everyone say hovering. I want you to know that He's, he's not static, He's dynamic. He's not stationary, He's not posted, He's not positioned, He's hovering. He's anticipating. He's moving, hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now come with me to, to my main text. Is going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1. It says, and again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. Everyone say new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, tambourine systems, and cymbals. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Let me just stop right there for a second. So the context of this story, let me just back up, is because of a backslidden prophet by the name of Eli, who was withholding correction to his boys and therefore dysfunction to the children of Israel uh, ensued. The children of Israel were backslidden and they were going to war with the Philistines and they just assumed that they could live wrong. And as long as they got a cross and as long as they got, you know, holy water and crucifix and uh, rosary beads and Hail Mary, Mother of God. As long as they do all that, then they could live wrong, but still be blessed. That's what they thought. So they, the, the Bible says they went into battle and they, they picked up the ark of God thinking, well, you know, the presence of God, He'll deliver us, doesn't matter how we live. And so they go out there and the Bible says the Philistines whoop them and steal the ark. They don't just whoop them and leave the ark. They whoop them and they steal the power of God. They steal the presence of God. Uh, every reality that is in the natural in the Old Testament is a reality in the spiritual realm in the New Testament. The Old Testament is just, is just a shadow and a type in the natural of spiritual truths and realities in your life and in my life. The enemy does not want the church to carry or possess the power of God. That doesn't want us to carry that. And so the Bible says they, they take the presence of God, they take the Ark of the Covenant, and they, they bring it into the house of Dagon, which was their God. Pastor Kenny was telling me that Dagon was the Philistine God of time wasting. Because how many people got to the end of their day and thought, man, where's my Dagon? Now, I'm not sure if that's true. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he found that information. That's just what, bad joke, bad joke. Anyway. 
So the Bible says, the Bible says they, they, set, they set the ark uh, right next to Dagon. So they're thinking, hey, y'all get along. Dagon, God, God, Dagon, get, be friends. This will make us invincible. So the Bible says that, you know, they close the door of the temple, they go sleep, wake up the next morning, they open. And when the priests of Dagon's temple opened the door, there was Dagon fallen on his face in front of the ark. And they're like, oh, oh gosh, that's not good. So they've they got to get all the helpers and they've got to lift their God back up again. Whenever man has to protect a God, he's not a God. Whenever man has to lift up a God, whenever man has to put a fat war on you because you drew a caricature, whenever man has to, God don't need no help. So the Bible says they set him back up in his place. The next morning they came in. When they came in the next morning, not only was Dagon on his face in front of the ark, but this time his head and his hands were broken off, showing the judgment uh, because head is authority and hand is power, that God says, there is no God beside me. When I look this way and look, I will have no other gods before me, but every knee will bow and every tongue confess that even Dagon, their chief deity, had to bow and they dare stand him up again. Well, now his authority and his power was vanquished. Not only that, the Bible says that, that the judgment hit the Philistines in a heavy way, that the Philistines began to develop tumors and they began to break out in, in tumors and cancers so that people were dying by this plague. And so they're like, man, what is it? Is it something in the water? Is it something in the diet? And then I realized, no, the only thing that has shifted is you brought that box carrying the presence of God. The reason that that is, is because the, the Israel was the only ones who had Passover, who had Yom Kippur, who had the Day of Atonement, who had sacrificial offerings to provide atonement for the people so that the ark could dwell in their midst. And even then, the closer you get, the more sacrifice that had to be made to make sure that you could, only one man once a year could enter into the Holy of Holies with the presence of God. And he had to sacrifice bulls and sheep and lambs to get there so that he wouldn't be struck dead. Sinful man can't stand in the presence of God. And so the Philistines captured the ark to their own detriment because in God's presence is both blessing and, and judgment. Because God is a God of justice. And so these, so anyway, so, they, so then, so then they consult the magicians and the and the tarot card readers and the psychics. Man, what do we do? And they're like, you got to send it back. You got to send it back. Get it out of here. It's killing people. Send it back. But because obviously this God likes tumors, uh, you got to send it back. You can't send it back empty handed. You got to send it back with gold. But won't you make gold tumors and send it back? That must be what he likes. That's why we don't listen to mediums and spiritualists. And anyway, and so so the Bible says that some of the lords of the Philistines were, you know, a little bit skeptical. Well, hang on, whoa, whoa, how do we know this isn't just a coincidence? So the, the, the mediums and the spiritualists said, well, do this. Go and get a cart and tie two milk cows who have just calved. Put the calves in a, in a stall right by the road and set the ark on the cart and point them in the direction of Israel. If the mama cows who uh, have milk for their calves turn around and go back to look after their calves, which is their natural inclination, natural instinct, then you know that this is not of God. But if the ark pushes these cows all the way into Israel, then you know that this is of God. So they, they did that. They put that, and the Bible says that the cows went lowing as they went because they could hear their little calves. 
in the stalls, but which is beautiful for me because that, that can tell me that you can come into Christ and you can come into Christ like I did at 18 or at 28 or at 38 or at 48. And you can come in bent with all kinds of history and bent with all kinds of bias and bent with all kinds of inclinations. But when the presence of God comes upon you, even though there's a lowing, even though there's a yearning for the things of the past and the attachments from behind you, this thing will drive you in the right direction. This thing will bring you to where you're meant to go. So went through Beth Shemesh, but it ended up, it ended up in the house of Abinadab, in the house of Abinadab. So let's, let's keep reading. So, so in the house of Abinadab, he has two sons, Uzzah and Ohio. And the Bible says that they, 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 now, they now take their keys, they take their instructions from the world. I don't, I don't need the world to tell me how to move in the spirit. I don't need a psychic or a medium to tell me how to he- So, but they, 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 they put a cart, a new cart. They think, oh, God's got to be impressed. It's a new cart. And they put two oxen there to, to carry God. And so they put, and so it gets to Nashon's threshing floor. And the Bible says when they get to Nashon's threshing floor, the oxen stumbled. The oxen in the Bible is, is always symbolic of servant. The servants stumbled through their appetite when they could smell the, the freshly threshed wheat. Instead of staying on the road, they turned from the path, from the direction to feed and to graze. And as they turned abruptly, the ark looked like it was gonna fall off. So the Bible says this, have a look at it. Uh, so Uzzah in verse six, put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Verse seven, then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him there for his error and he died there by the ark of God. David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah and he called the name of that place Perez Uzzah to this day, outbreak against Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and he said, how can the, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. (laughs) Which is just hilarious. Like it's, why are you looking at me like, it's it's just killed somebody. Someone reached out and he struck dead. David's like, oh, come on. I can't bring it to my house, I got kids. Hey, Obed, how low on the totem pole must Obed be? What do we do with this box that's killing people? Why don't we put it in the house of Obed, the, the Gittite? Hey, good idea. I mean, how does that make you feel? Hey, Obed, come here, buddy. Yeah, this thing's just killed people. We want you to take it home. Put it in your living room. Okay, maybe, see, you all are much more saved than my brain, okay? Because I put myself in the story. And uh, so Obed-Edom means servant of Edom. Edom is from Esau, so they're not, he's not an Israelite. But the Bible says Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Gittite is, is, the, is Gath, if you're from the city of Gath, which is the, the capital of, of uh, the Philistine territory. So he's a foreigner, he's an outsider. So they're like, well, it doesn't matter if it kills him. That's, that's the thought. But watch this, this is where it gets good. So he's just killed somebody. So give it to Obed-Edom. Take it home. Don't matter if you die. <laughs> Verse 11. 
The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed. Everyone say blessed. Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went up. So, sorry, David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six places that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his mind. And David was wearing a linen ephod. Interesting. When David hears that the ark has blessed Obed-Edom for over three months, over 90 days, this ark that, that just killed Uzzah, now in the presence of Obed-Edom's house, everything in Obed-Edom's house is blessed. His kids that had eczema, the eczema's gone. Marriage is blessed. Family's blessed. Finances blessed. His fields are blessed. His, his, his vineyards are blessed. His, his, his orchards are blessed. His garden's blessed. Everything's blessed. Everything is flourishing. They found springs underneath. They water. Everything in abundance. Everything in his house was blessed. When David heard about the blessing, this thing had just killed someone. He was angry and afraid. But now all of a sudden when he hears the blessing of the indwelling presence, it caused him to revisit and he realizes the error was his error because nowhere in the Bible does it say you carry God on a cart behind dirty animals. No, no, the Bible says there were, there were gold rings that were made so poles could go through because priests are meant to carry. You, let me just tell you, the presence of God is not, a, is, is not meant to be a medium that we wheel in and we wheel out, a vehicle, a, a convenience that we just wheel in and wheel out upon. The presence of God is meant to be carried by priests, meant to be carried by people dedicated to God. You are meant to carry the presence of God into your family, carry the presence of God into the marketplace, carry the presence of God into your work. Carry. You were created to carry God's glory, to carry God's presence. So when they had gone six paces, the number of men stopped because David's saying, God, we will, I will not presume on you again that, that us men can carry the divine. So at, at six paces, they, they give an offering, they sacrifice. And now they're dancing and twirling. The presence of God comes in. I need you to understand three points really quickly. Number one, His presence blesses. His presence blesses. If you said to me, Jürgen, how did you go from being disowned by your father to where you are today? I would just tell you His presence. The greatest thing you can covet is His presence. If you're on the edge, man, I'm not sure, should I go to presence? Go to presence this week. Even like, uh, like Pastor Ashley said, if you can only get there for a day, if you can only get there for a night, if you can only get to the nights, whatever you gotta do, get there because I'm telling you, there's something that happens in the presence of God. There's something that can change in the presence of God. One word, one encounter in the presence of God. But the presence of God blesses. Now you say, well, hang on a minute. We just saw the presence of God killed somebody. Well, let me just tell you, life and death is in the power of the presence. Let me explain why. Because for you to be blessed, some things need to die. For me, for me to walk in the blessing of God, my poverty mentality and mindset had to die. For me to walk in what God had for me, I had to let the victim mindset that I developed through years and years of father rejection and hostility had to die. When Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace because of their devotion to God, 
The Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar heated the furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been heated before. And they cast these three men bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. No sooner has the king sat down on his throne that he jumps up again and he says, did we not just throw three men into the fire? They said, true, O king, three. He says, then explain to me, why do I see four men in the fire and they are loosed and the fire has no power over them? And they, there was another in the fire standing next to me. There was a fourth man loose. It was the presence of Jesus. What happened? He killed the power of the flame. He, well, because when God is present, all that will harm you dies and all that will do you good begins to thrive, begins to bless. There are things in your life that are holding you back from relationships. It's bitterness, it's negativity, it's unkindness, it's resentment. You will find as you come into the presence of God, the same power that brings life puts to death the things that are harming you, that are holding you, that are putting ceilings over your life. Uzzah is interesting because he reaches out his hand and, and he is struck dead because God is killing presumption that somehow you can tell God where he can and can't go, that somehow you need to help God. You presume that you, God, God, God can take care of himself. He can look after a falling box. He can not only pick it up, he can cause it to spin around. He can cause it to one lap of the, the, in the entire universe and then bam, land back on the cart, boy. It, it'll kill limitations in your life. God, you can move this far and no further. God doesn't like limitation. You'll find that as you walk into the presence of God, limitation, limitation becomes a casualty. You'll find that all of a sudden there are no limits. There are, with God, all things are possible. David said, when the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. Something happens and invincibility fills you when you get filled with the power of God. It'll kill dishonor. You're not a priest, Uzan. You dare reach out your hand and take the most sacred object in, in Israel that priests have to consecrate themselves and you think you can just get familiar and just reach out and grab the... It'll kill arrogance. You'll find that there are things in the... You don't wanna not have the presence of God. A lot of people read this story. Oh, you know, don't get too close to God. He may, be, he may wake up with a bad hair day. He, he, may, he may be angry. It's game over then, just a pile of ashes. But you need to understand this presence they put in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite, not one casualty there, but just incredible blessing. There's a way to walk before the Lord. The most beautiful thing, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. In Christ, your sins are covered. You and I can walk in the presence of God without any fear. All right. Moses, Moses in Exodus 34. Amazing miracles, amazing things. Exodus 33, Moses uh, sets up his own tent. The reason he sets up his own tent is because the people are wearing him out. So the Bible says that Moses takes his own tent. Now, you need to understand, I didn't preach this to the, the 8.30 or the 10. So somebody, somebody here is leaning in and drawing stuff out. I never had, it's not in my notes. So Moses picks up his own tent and the Bible says, and he took his tent and he pitched it far from the camp, miles away from everybody else. And it became known as the tent of meeting. The Bible says that Moses would go in there and the Bible says that God's cloud would come and rest on that camp, on that tent. And, and all the people would see the glory come down and each man would rise in his tent door and begin to worship. And the Bible says in that tent, God would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's 33. 34, now that he's got a quiet time, 34, 
Moses says to God, he says, hey, uh, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. He's doing all the, he's like, yeah, God, you know, you're doing all these awesome miracles out there, but if I found favor in your sight, show me your glory. And God knows, dude, you got no idea what you're asking. But because you're asking for the impossible, I like you. So he says, you know, there's a place by me. You shall stand on the rock. And I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. And I'll cover you with my hand so that my presence will pass by you. My face you cannot see, for no man can see my face and live. Just my back you will see. It's so beautiful because it speaks of Christ. He says, there is a place where you can see my glory, but you've got to stand on the rock. The rock is Jesus. And it's so beautiful. He says, because in between, in between the, 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 the rocks, there's a cleft, there's a gap. And God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to push you into that gap, but I'll cover you with my hand. I'll protect you from my presence. I'll provide a covering so that my presence passing by. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and mercy, full of loving kindness and compassion, but by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity on the, on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So the fear of God, the judgment of the presence of God, but he's covered. That's Jesus. Jesus provided a covering so you and I could experience and see the glory of God in our lives. And so David, when he hears, when the king hears about the blessing of God in Obed-Edom's house, says, I want to do it right. I want to live right because I want that blessing. I want that blessing in Israel. So number two, watch this. So number two. The blessing of God activates. His presence activates. Genesis 1 has us seeing the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the waters. You ever wondered why it's hovering over the face of the waters? Well, it says that uh, God created the heavens and the earth. It was formless and void. Tohu bohu in the Hebrew. Chaos, disorder, dysfunction in the universe. The default position of everything is disorder and dysfunction. You leave your car in the front yard, it doesn't evolve into a Mack truck. It devolves into a rusty piece of... If, if, you, if you get your garden done, and you can have your garden beautifully landscaped, but if you leave it unto itself, chaos and disorder, weeds and everything, everything left to itself has a default towards chaos and disorder. Things don't evolve better, they actually break down worse. It's, it's the law of third, third, third law of thermodynamics. Anyway, and so the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. Why over the face of the waters? Because everything's dark and God is light and in Him there is no darkness. So when He's hovering over the waters, He can see His reflection. But when he hovers over the land, no reflection. But when he hovers over the water, he sees his reflection. Over the land, no reflection. So what does God do? Well, Genesis tells us he reaches his hand into the dirt. He reaches his hand into the earth. And he fashions a man in his image and in his likeness. So whether he's over the waters or over the land, he has his image. Because all of creation was created to bear God's glory. All of creation was created to bear God's glory. You are created to carry God's glory, God's image. You are God's image bearer in the earth. Now the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter one, verse eight, it says, you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you 
Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. But let me just tell you that, that, that God works in, in two dimensions. The, the, the power goes in two directions. The power of God that comes upon you, and this is, this is what is mostly preached in churches, that when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you can go out and you can heal the sick and raise the dead and do miracles. And, and you better believe that we operate in that because it's power that's available. So when people come in and they're, they're, they're beat down or they're hopeless and they've been given a terminal sentence by the doctors or their marriage or, you know, unable to bear children, you better believe in this place there's some power because we welcome the Holy Ghost. We want the presence of God. We're a presence of God church. We are a Holy Ghost church. So every week we see tumors and cancers defeated. We see miracles. We have miracle babies in our, in our church because of the presence and power of God. But you need to understand that's just one dimension. You need to understand God is the macro God. When we look at the universe, the heavens, the constellation, the stars, the galaxies, the planets, the ever-expanding universe, it is a universe because it was one word that created everything. One author, one speaker. That's why it's a universe. And it's more precise. The planetary circulation around the sun is more precise than the, than the most accurate Swiss watches. And yet the same God of the macro is the same God that if you look under the, the most powerful microscopes at a tiny little piece of snow, a little fragment of snow, a little flake of snow, you will see the most exquisite and perfect detail and yet none, no two are alike. He's the God of the macro, the external, is also a God of the internal. And when the power of God comes upon you, it doesn't just give you power to go out and do. The power of God comes upon you and awakens you. That power comes upon you and <gasps> causes you to come alive. There are 7.6 billion people on this planet, but most are lifeless puppets. They're lifeless puppets because they don't know who they are or why they're here. They don't know, but when the Spirit of God comes, you, you begin to awaken and you begin to realize, pictures begin to flash through your mind, an awakening and arousing of the giftings and the wirings and the destinies and the potential and the purpose on the inside of you. You begin to find a dissatisfaction with just the, the, the humdrum of the nine to five and the 40 hours a week and the, 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 the mortgage and the 2.3 children and, and something more begins to drive you, begins to eat at you and you don't understand why. It's the awakening, it's the arousing of God, it's the Spirit of God causing you to find out who you really are, why you're really here, that you're called to live a life that echoes throughout all eternity. The one day we will walk through the gates of heaven. And as we walk through the gates of heaven, angels on the left, angels on the right, standing in standing ovation as you approach the throne. And he who sits on the throne in inapproachable light will say the words, well done, good and faithful servant on that day. There's gotta be an awakening happen. That's why the devil hates the power of God. He don't want a Holy Ghost church. So the Spirit of God, God said, let there be light. And the Holy Spirit is the one who takes the Word and brings it to life. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, 2nd of January, 1989. And when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, up until that time, I read my Bible dutifully every day. I knew as a Christian, I, it was important to feed on God's Word, but boy, oh boy, was it hard. 85% of what I read, I didn't understand. And Halushnaba begat Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat began Hosea. And Hosea begat Manasseh. I'm like, who gives a rip? 
how on earth does this have anything to do with the price of eggs in China? And I'm reading it. Thou shalt not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. What kind of sick people do that? That thought never even crossed my mind. Never once have I woken up. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to cook a young goat in its mother's milk. That's what I'm going to do. Never. So I'm real. But when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I come home. For the next three hours, it's like the words were swimming on the page. The Holy Spirit was hovering waiting for the Father to speak because the Word and the Spirit, when the Word and the Spirit work together, bam. You ever met people that are full of the Spirit and no Word? Weirdo. And then you ever met people that are full of the Word but there's no Spirit? Just harsh and brutal and dry. That's why we're a church of Holy Ghost and Word. Holy Ghost and Word. Holy Ghost and Word. We let the Spirit of God hover and then we preach the Word. And when the Word goes forth, the Holy Spirit, He's the power. He's the power. He's the power that activates that Word into your life so that healings and miracles and breakthroughs take place. But you need to understand the power of God comes upon you to awaken you. One of the biggest mistakes I've made as a daddy over the years is bought my kids Christmas presents without reading the box, only to discover on Christmas Day, as they pull out their toy that they've been asking for, the box says, Battery is not included. Don't moment. And in Australia, it's very different to here. In Australia, uh, on a public holiday, everything is shut for the next 644 days. No, no. It's, uh, you know, it seems that way. For the, like three days, you can't go nowhere. Everything is shut. And so you can't get batteries. So these kids are like, yeah, well done, Dad. Yeah. Thought you could read, you know, it's like it's no. And so your cell phone, if it runs out of it may be, it can communicate, it can send email, take phone, I mean, it can do all kinds of things, but run out of power, it's no good. The devil knows this. This is why he took power out of the church because he knows that an activated Christian, he knows a Christian filled with power is a nightmare. See, Jesus says, I will build my church. Come on, finish it for me. I will build my church and, and the gates of hell. So that means that the church doesn't move into unoccupied territory. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build my church and look, you know, just go into, you know, barren soil and uncharted. No, no, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell. In other words, as the church increases, the kingdom of darkness has to thereby decrease. The king, Jesus says, I will build my church and the, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So the devil knows church is coming. You tell him I'm coming. And heaven's coming with me. Tombstone. Anyway, I'm your huckleberry. Wow, Johnny Ringo, you look like someone just walked over your grave. I got no fight with you longer. I beg to differ, sir. And this time it's legal. Anyway, don't get me started. That's one of my favorite movies, Tombstone. Poor old Daisy, strain was more than he could bear. Anyway, and um, so, oh no, the keys are up. So he knows a church without power, those gates will just hold up a little bit longer. That's why we want you to experience the presence of God. We want you to be filled with the power of God so you can kick in every gate where the devil says, oh, no, no, you know, family curses, no, no, no. Oh, no, 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 diabetes runs in your, no, 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 cancer runs in your, your, your every, every gate. Most Christians know that Jesus came to take away our sin. Most Christians know. Most Christians know. Why did Jesus come to take away our sin? Interesting, 1 John 3, 8, 
says, for this reason, Jesus Christ appeared on earth. I'll take away our sin. Hang on, let John finish. For this reason, Jesus Christ appeared on earth to destroy the works of the devil. For this reason, Jesus appeared on earth, 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the devil. You need to understand, you don't have to live under the dictates, under the boundary settings of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Poverty, sickness, lack, struggle, bitterness. You don't have to live under that. Jesus came to build His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. With the power of God, with the anointing of God on you, you are an unstoppable force. You are changing the cycle of your generations. You can become the curse-breaking generation. There may have been alcoholism, drug addiction for generations. It finishes with you. You're the generation that's gonna carry the anointing of God, kick in those gates and set a brand new legacy. Oh man, I've got to finish. Number three, number three, number three. Uh, See, a lot of people, our youth just got back from a youth camp where one of the speakers was kind of teaching that the Holy Spirit's not, not really necessary. He's just an optional extra. You know, when, you, when you're buying a car, leather seats, optional extra. Heated seats, optional extra. Alloy rims, optional extra. Holy Spirit, that's what they're trying. No, 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 hang on. Whoa, whoa. Jesus said, I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I will send you a helper. I will send you a help. The arrogance of some of these theologians today. <laughs> we hear you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, I don't wanna be nitpicky, but uh, Jesus, we, we did notice that you were a carpenter's son, blue collar. Yeah, we've just graduated from seminary. Got my doctorate in divinity. <laughs> you didn't study letters, did you? No, yeah, anyway. Uh, We know you said we need the helper. No, no, we've, we've, got, we've got it from here. You take a look. No, no, I ain't smarter than Jesus. If He said I need the Holy Spirit, if He said I need the helper, guess what? I need the helper, I need the Holy Ghost. We want you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You want the presence of God. The presence of God will begin to activate. The last one, number three. The presence of God, His presence gives access. His presence gives access. 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says this. It says, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. Now you may be reading that saying, Pastor, you and the guy that wrote that got to be drunk. How do I fix my eyes on what is unseen? Exactly. You and I have to acknowledge that there is actually a fourth dimension. The world that we live in will teach you that, you know, that if you can't touch it, it's not real. Well, I can't touch a lot of things, but I know it's real. Well, if you can't see it, it's not real. I can't see electricity, but if I, I'll experience it. I can't see the wind, but I know it's real. There's a lot of things. I can't see gravity, but step off a building, I'll experience it. 
So the Bible teaches us that there is a, there is a fourth dimension. In fact, the Scripture teaches very clearly that everything, everything that exists in the natural realm began in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm affects the natural realm. I don't have time. Daniel chapter 10. Oh, dear Jesus, that's time. Daniel chapter 10. The angel comes to, Ga- to angel Gabriel comes to Daniel and he says, Daniel, highly beloved, this, 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 this. He says, but I've got to return and fight with the prince of Persia. And when he is gone, the prince of Greece will come. This is about 40 to 70 years before the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great would wipe out the Medo-Persian Empire and set up the Grecian rule where everything would be translated and everything Greek would become the, the number one language on the planet. 40 to 70 years time because things happen first in the heavens when there's a shift in heaven. Whenever something shifts in heaven, everything changes here on the earth. And when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, He gives you access into the fourth dimension. He gives you access into heavenly realities. The Bible says that the church is the gate of heaven. This is not a rotary club. This is not a country club of nice people or good people or religious people that do nice things. This is none other, says Jacob, than the gate of heaven. How awesome is this? The gate of heaven means that you can walk in here and the doctors have given up. The doctors say there's nothing more medical science can do, but you can walk into this house and we can say, well, do not be afraid, come in here because this is the gate of heaven and you have access to power. The earth is not, access to healing. The earth has not yet walked into. There is a power here. It is an access point. Well, you know, I think you're just, you know, speaking, imagining it. Well, let me just tell you, everything began in the invisible and moves to the visible. My iPhone, before it was visible in my hand, was invisible in the mind of Steve Jobs. The automobile, before it was visible, was invisible in the mind of Henry Ford. Everything moves from the invisible to the visible. Everything the Bible says is true. And science and life just catches up proving it. Those who see the invisible achieve the impossible. The, so Revelation 1, the Apostle John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a voice. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, when you begin to walk in His presence, the first thing that is unlocked is you'll begin to hear the Word of God. When we came to San Diego, I'll never forget, the devil spoke so strong in my ear, you're gonna fail, you are gonna fail. What have you, you've moved halfway around the world and nobody knows you? Oh, you just moved your family to a city you've never been to where nobody knows you? It's one of the most expensive and has no zoning for churches. You are gonna fail and you are gonna fail miserably. But because I was in the Spirit, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, gave me access to highly confidential knowledge. And He said to me, the Father has not sent you here to fail. Don't listen to the liar. God has sent you here because it doesn't matter whether people know you or not. The only way that I build my church is not on who knows you, but on who knows my son. And they're gonna know Jesus and you're gonna preach Jesus and you're gonna just keep 
you're gonna keep spilling over services and campuses. And when the doctors gave us a negative report about our daughter Zoe, the Word of the Lord came to me when I was filled with the Spirit, worshiping. James 1:17. every good and perfect gift comes down. God says, what I'm giving you is good and perfect. You watch, I'm still knitting it together. She was born absolutely perfect. None of the things the doctors said she'd have, she had. The doctors were amazed. When you're filled with the Spirit, you have access to a supernatural. Listen, the devil doesn't want you to understand this truth because he doesn't want you having an edge in the marketplace. He doesn't want you going to the marketplace and being, he saw what Daniel did. He saw what Joseph did. These people in whom was the Spirit of God, they could interpret dreams and understand omens. They could, my God, they were supernatural. So they dominated in the marketplace. He doesn't want a generation of Josephs. He doesn't want a a generation of Daniels, but that's exactly who you are. Revelation 4, I've got to land this thing. Revelation 4 says, then I, then I heard a voice. The voice that was speaking to me was now in heaven. And he says, come up here for I must show you things that must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the Spirit and I saw a throne. So the first dimension is you'll hear things. Second dimension is you begin to see things. When, when, when just after the God spoke to me, we're gonna, I saw a vision of a baseball diamond. I'm like, God, you want me to get into baseball? He's like, oh, myself. No, no. No, that's the strategy. One church, four locations. I was just happy for one church in one location. He says, no, this is how you're gonna take San Diego. Once we got to the four locations, I'm like, oh dear Jesus. Does that, does that mean I'm, am I, are you done with me now, God? And so John and I, Pastor John and I were at Dream City Conference in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And the Holy Spirit said 16 campuses. I said, 16, that's crazy. Oh, excuse me. So I'll quickly write, because you never tell God it's crazy talk because he actually believes he's pretty good, just quietly. And so I wrote down 16 kids. But if I was honest with you, I didn't believe it. Well, we walk up to Prayer Mountain. And as I stood on Prayer Mountain and we held up, you know, Pastor Tommy Barnett, hold up. So I held it up. As soon as I held it up, hit my spirit and I could see, oh my gosh, 16 campuses. The four campuses, uh, main campuses out of them, there's all these spokes, all these hubs. And no matter where anybody lives, they're no more than 15, 20 minute drive from a life-giving, a life-changing, empowering. And I could see it. God said to Abraham, lift up your eyes and see northward, southward, eastward, westward for all the land that you see, I'm giving you. In other words, you cannot possess, you cannot occupy what you don't see. If you don't see yourself married, if you don't see yourself breaking that poverty cycle, if you don't see yourself owning a home, if you don't see yourself breaking that debt cycle that's been over, if you don't see yourself healed, if you don't see yourself, you won't step into it. See, most Christians have allowed the devil to have the remote. We say, you're not welcome in our house, but here's the remote. How you doing? Well, you know, the picture in my mind is failure. The picture in my mind is it's too expensive. The picture in my mind is, you know, the sickness in grandma that was in mama's in me. Why are you letting the devil use the remote control on the mind pictures of your soul, telling you this is your future? Get the freaking control. Stomp on his fingers. Hurt, hurt him. Give the remote to the Holy Ghost and let Him show you what your future looks like. Let Him show you what He has for you. This is your future. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Good thoughts, not evil. To give you a future and a hope. 
Your future is filled with blessing, with favor, with abundance, with health and healing, with deliverance and freedom, with joy, with laughter, with happiness, with goodness. Oh man, I'm going to finish. Oh, I'm. Sit down. Last, last thought. Last thought. Last thought. God says to Joshua, Joshua comes to Jericho, impregnable, impossible. The, the, the greatest engineering feat of, of man in, up, up until that time. A city that was an impeg, impregnable fortress. But God says to Joshua, Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. See, I've given Jericho into your hand. Joshua couldn't see like everybody else because God was saying to him, You can't conquer what you don't see God has given you victory over. You can't conquer what you don't see God has given you victory over. Oh, you know, no, no, my father was an addict. My grandfather was an addict. I think I've got an addict gene. Well, don't let the devil set the thermostat. See, you can't conquer what you don't see God has given you victory over. John 2, 24, by His stripes, you are healed. Don't matter what the doctors say, don't matter. By His stripes, I am healed. Cancer, guess what? Hasta mañana, hasta luego, hasta la vista. You're leaving. Adios, amigo. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Don't come back, don't come running, don't come knocking. You can't conquer what you don't see God has given you victory over. So God comes to Joshua. He says, see Jericho? Yeah, impossible. No, it's not. I want you to see that I've given Jericho into your hand. Because Joshua, you can't conquer what you don't see I've given you victory over. What things are you carrying? What things are you struggling with? That devil's a liar. He wants to tell you it's a generational thing. It's a genetic thing. It's a this thing. It's a that thing. You can't beat it. You've tried in your own flesh. You've tried. That's exactly right. In your own flesh. Joshua didn't take a hammer out and begin to hammer and chip at the, hey, come on, everyone, grab a hammer. Maybe we can all chip. Once he saw what God gave him, he knew the battle was the Lord's. All he had to do was march around that thing and lift up a shout of praise and the walls came down because the battle is the Lord's. There are, there are walls in people's lives and there are ceilings in people's lives. I'm telling you, they come down not with human effort, but they come down with the presence of God, with a shout of praise, with understanding, with seeing differently. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, He gives you access. He gives you access. Listen, I live most of my life in access to that to that realm you have access to that realm you have access to that realm thanks for listening to find out more about our pastors team and what we do at c3 san diego go to c3sandiego.com 